United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. I'm Steve Scully, guest hosting for Julie Mason. Mikhail Gorbachev is now 90 years old. It was 30 years ago, concluding the end of the Soviet Union after 74 years, Mikhail Gorbachev stepping down. And 30 years later, we're still seeing a lot of that tension, the tug of war between the U.S., Russia, Eastern Europe. And joining us on the phone is Donald Jensen. He is with the U.S. Institute of Peace, the director of the Russia and Strategic Stability Program for USIP. Don Jensen, thank you for being with us. Well, good morning. Good morning. Take us back 30 years ago this month. Why did Mikhail Gorbachev step down? And obviously that has spiraled into so many different layers of U.S.-Russia relations in the last three decades. Well, you know, your intro hit it, I think, precisely right, which is that the collapse is still continuing. It didn't fall apart at once. It fell apart and continues in many ways and is running down in many ways, and its parts are everywhere, as you said, most evident in the Ukraine crisis today. Uh, Gorbachev, 30 years ago, and it seems like yesterday to me, uh, simply presided over a country that no longer existed. He tried to reform probably an unreformable system economically, and foreign policy, socially even, and uh, uh, the regional leaders who had been put down by the Soviet authorities for so many decades simply rose up, uh, supported by their populations, and it was really uh, uh, an empire which at the head of no longer was an empire. It was breaking up, and that's what happened. And Gorbachev uh, is still with us. None of the other heroes and principals and not so heroes are not, like Boris Yeltsin. And so it was a monumental event. I happened to be uh, privileged to have worked on the U.S. response to, to it. And uh, again, in many ways, ships our relationship with Eastern Europe and Russia, as you said, uh, even today. I want to share with you a a little bit of insight. I had the chance last month to sit down with former President George W. Bush. He was in Pennsylvania Uh for what Uh was an hour and 20-minute conversation. And he told the story about Vladimir Putin. And the the story is that when he first met Putin after 9-11 at the White House, the president showing his dog, Barney, who was a small dog, I guess, and Mm -hmm. Putin was making fun of the dog. And 18 months later, when Bush was at the estate of uh, Vladimir Putin in the Black Sea, he had a Great Dane kind of saying, well, your dog is small and my dog is big. And that became emblematic of how Putin views uh, the U.S. and its leaders. Bush, of course, chuckling over that, but uh, saying that that's the mindset of Vladimir Putin, that you need to understand that is where he is coming from. That's exactly right. And uh, that's the mindset of a lot of Russians. Uh, looking back over these momentous years, uh, uh, many Russians see a once great country humbled and humiliated and the victim of a Western conspiracy to uh, monopolize uh, economic and security issues around, around the world. And this is a narrative that Putin uh, plays on actively, plays on to uh, maintain his power. And uh, just over the weekend, there was a Russian poll showing that more than 60% of the people regret the demise of the USSR. So the U.S. has seen in its role in the 90s, which is seen as undermining the USSR, the U.S. is seen as helping victimize Russia. Now, that's not the case. Uh, the U.S. made mistakes. Most especially, we 
misunderstood what was going on inside Russia at home. It was not becoming a democracy. We misread that. But in the security range of Rome in particular, I think the first Bush and later President Clinton handled the situation very well, dealing with nukes, dealing with the NATO issue, dealing with the immense challenge of a uh, fragmented Soviet Union brought to security in Eurasia. So so uh, we are blamed, I think not fairly. We made mistakes. We made serious mistakes. But that is behind the Putin, the Putin uh, comment that you made, resentment, uh, feeling that his country is being kept in the ground. And that resentment propels a lot of our Russian foreign policy today, especially at the top, especially in the Kremlin and especially with Putin. And I want to talk about Ukraine in just a moment, but I'm curious, how is Gorbachev viewed today among Russian citizens? I think he's seen as incompetent quarters as a traitor who undermined the Soviet power, so the Soviet state. But he's did he have a choice? Did he even have a choice? At all. <laughs> did, did Gorbachev even have a choice? He did not have a choice. He did not have a choice. His choice was earlier. His choice was in 1986 and 7 and 8 when he and his colleagues and his colleagues had to decide how to reform, if it could be reformed, the USSR, which was visibly failing in the face of the uh, growth of high technology, which it couldn't compete, the growth of uh, of Japan and all those things we saw in the 1980s and the Russian Soviets, excuse me, the Soviets huddled and realized they could not compete. So the challenge was, how can you reform the system and still have it the Soviet system? And uh, that set off and has set off even today the debate about whether it was reformable. And that's really what was going on. By 91, Yeltsin no longer had his had a choice because the Pandora's box especially of ethnic nationalism, including Russian nationalism. That was open, and that could not be put back in. And by then, 91 especially, but even in 90, we had a whole new crop of leaders like Yeltsin, and in the republics, who no longer had any allegiance to that, the Soviet uh, Union that existed since 1917. Don Jensen is the director of the Russia and Strategic Stability Program for USIP, the U.S. Institute of Peace. He is an expert on Russia and the former Soviet Union. Thanks very much for being with us on this Monday. We appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.